Welcome to Agent Investor, where you'll hear inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. Join your host, investor and broker Tom Caffarella, as he dives into how active agents are delivering a high level of service to clients while spotting opportunities, negotiating with homeowners, signing deals, and building additional streams of income. You'll come away from each episode with practical tips, tactics, and action steps while being inspired to open your eyes to the potential deals that are all around you. After all, you have the skills, you have the market knowledge, you have access to the information. Why not leverage all those assets to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? If you're an active agent interested in investing in real estate and building passive income, this is your podcast. And now let's jump into this episode of Agent Investor. All right. Welcome back to the Agent Investor podcast. I'm your host, Tom Caffarella. And um, I like to welcome a local guest. So for those of you who know, like I'm in the greater Boston market and um, my show producers literally like in the past three years have never brought me anybody that I even a city that I've pretty much ever been to. Uh, and Dana is out in Dana Bull is out in Marblehead. So I want to welcome you to the podcast, Dana. Thanks, Tom. And yeah, I'm surprised we haven't met each other through real estate, but this is another great channel. So I'm yeah. happy to be on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many agents. I mean, even just within Massachusetts, I think there's like 25,000 agents. So it's like a, it's like a small network, but it's also a lot of people too. Yep. So, um, you know, if you can kind of give us a little bit of the background about how you got into real estate in general, and then like what types of stuff that you, that you're doing on the investing side now. Sure. So my story is a little bit backwards. Um, considering your audience is for agents looking to get into investing, I started in reverse. So I graduated college and I graduated during the recession and it actually just came out of a necessity. I needed an apartment. Uh, my boyfriend and I were frustrated by how expensive rent was and we figured out that we could buy and it was going to be more affordable than our rent. Mm -hmm. So we bought our first place. Um, and then we realized that we could continue buying property and rent it out to tenants. And we did that for a couple of years. And finally, my real estate agent, who was a great mentor to me, he was like, you know, I can't keep taking money from you. You need to just get your license so that you can do your own transactions. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really how this started. So then I got my license and kind of continued investing from there. Yep. And so I think, you know, what you said, you know, you, you're calling it backwards, but I think what, what it kind of proves and what we talk about all this time on the, on the podcast is every investor should have their license and every person who's licensed should invest. Mm -hmm. So I think like at the end of the day, like the two blended together is really like where the power is at. So when you got on in the investing side, now you bought something, was it like a condo, a single family, a multifamily, like where did you kind of start out? So our first property was a condo and that was the only condo I ever owned. <laughs> I hated it. Um, I guess I'm a little bit of a control freak, but I just didn't enjoy being a trustee and having to work with the other owners. Um, I think in part was because it was an old building. The first place we bought was in a building that was built in 1784. 
So there's just a lot of management, a lot of upkeep and living in, in an area like Boston and owning a condo in a small association, you end up sometimes having to partner with these other trustees that are at just a different point in their lives. Um, they have different budgets and you're, you're kind of stuck with, with negotiating with people that you wouldn't normally do business with. Mm-hmm. So that was our first and only condo. And then from there, we went from two families to three families to four families and kind of worked our way up. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I I have kind of a similar experience where my first purchase was a condo. And, you know, again, something that we've hit on in other, you know, shows is like what asset class makes the most sense for you as an investor. Mm-hmm. It's something that like a lot of agents, when they're they're getting interested in investing, they don't know. They don't know whether they should buy a condo or a single family or like a three family or an apartment complex. And there's all these kind of different options. And um, there's definitely some pros of owning a condo. But for me, like I've had a similar experience with you in that, like, I think there's too much unknown that you can't control. And then right. there's other things like even just like condo fees and stuff like that. It it really is, I think, tough to get what the benefits are of owning rental real estate from a condo, which is obviously the, the passive cash flow and then the appreciation. So now the way that you did it, did, were you doing it through like house hacking where you were using like FHA loans or, or connect, like, how were you doing that? Like in terms of getting, you know, funding for, for these opportunities. So we never, I guess our first condo, we, we, we were uneducated and we did just, uh, we didn't even take advantage of any of first time buyer programs, nothing. We just went in, I think we went in at 17% down. So some random number. Um, but other than that, we've, we've never, and when I say we, it's, it's my, we're now married. So it worked out buying, buying a house together that early. Um, but we've never done less than 20% down. We've never done FHA. Some, some of the properties we've lived in when it's made sense, but not, not most of them. Mm -hmm. Um, our financing has always been extremely vanilla we, we like to keep an arm's length. So we've always just worked with a traditional lender. Um, we've never brought any partners in mm-hmm. again. I think that the trend or like the common theme is that I'm a little bit of a control freak. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. Um, before I got into real estate, I worked in, um, technology. So I've always been in sales and marketing so uh, we, we refer to ourselves, my husband and I, as dinks, dual income, no kids. Yep. And it was a very valuable time in our lives where we had a lot of time. We were working a lot in commission-based roles. So we were able to make money and we, we funneled that into real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that we have kids, I'm glad that we did it in our 20s because it's a lot harder to, to do it now. Yep. I think like anything else, the sooner you get started, you know, the better. Uh, I think you can do it at any age, but mm-hmm. I think that there is definitely advantages for kind of doing it earlier. So your plan, you know, essentially, and everyone's in a, you know, a different role. Like some people, the money's the problem or the deal's the problem, or they're just scared or whatever the case is. So the way that you guys did it, you know, just to summarize is like, you were just like saving up for deposit after deposit. And is that how you did it? 
Yeah. And we, we really lived like Spartans at that time. It, like I said, it, it was the, the tail end of the last recession. So I feel like everybody was pretty budget conscious then. And we had just graduated. So none of our friends had any money either. So it wasn't like we were living lavishly. Yeah. Um, we had one, one stint where we moved to Boston and, um, we actually, even though we owned property, we were renting in Boston. Mm-hmm. It was, the place was gorgeous. Um, and we had, it was a great nine month stint, but then we were like, no, we really need to reel it in and we need to put together our business plan and focus back on our goals because it's so easy to kind of, um, you know, lifestyle inflation and fall off the rails with it. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, always just kind of living below our means and being very thoughtful about what we're doing and what our plan is. So you mentioned going from like, and maybe I, you know, I'm going to screw this up, but was it condo to single to two to three to four? Was it? <laughs> Something, so what was it? It was condo to renting. Yeah. <laughs> That's when we were in Boston. I guess. Uh, but yeah. while we were renting, we, we bought a couple of multifamilies and then we also moved into a three family. So yeah, there's been, it's, we've moved a lot. I think that's part of it when you're, um, you know, that was part of it also when we didn't have kids, it was easy to just, Oh, let's buy a place and we'll, we'll move into it. Um, and then, and then we can do it again. So having that agility and having that flexibility was huge in the beginning. So that's a way that, that sometimes people talk about it. Like they move in, like, what's the benefit that you saw of like buying and living in the property that you ended up, you know, moving out of, like for you, like what was the benefit there? So I, it was, um, where we wanted to live. So for instance, we own property in Boston and at the time, both my husband and I were traveling. Mm -hmm. So being close to Logan airport was huge. Um, but I think while we were going through some renovations, it was nice to be on premises. So just being close to, uh, meet with contractors and that sort of thing. Um, but for us, it wasn't even so much about the property. It was more about the location. It was where we wanted to be at the, at that time in our lives. Right. But you took this, you kind of took the sacrifice though of saying, you know, because, uh, you know, for most people, they would say, I'd rather live in a single family than live in a three family. Right. right? Because you're going to deal with tenants. You're going to deal with headaches and hassles and all that stuff. Yeah. So I think like, the theme that, you know, we've seen so far with everything that you've basically done has been sacrifice. Like you've lived below your means, sacrifice. You yep. moved into a three family, sacrifice, right? So you take some renovations, you live through that. And so like, I think like the stuff that you're, you know, we'll get into more of your story, but the, the stuff that I think is important so far that I think like, I'm not one of those people that want to hammer home like, hey, like, you know, this is super easy you know, to be successful, it does require you to, to, to take some, you know, a little bit of discipline and say, Hey, like I'm going to live below my means, or I'm going to sacrifice for a little while. And then I'm going to end up getting ahead kind of moving forward. And I know oh, that absolutely. Yeah. I know that's an obvious statement, but like, you know, sometimes I think, you know, people will preach like these get rich quick schemes and stuff like that, where, what you did isn't complicated, but it's something that like not everybody's necessarily willing to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of sacrifices, a lot of 
weekends working, a lot of nights, you know, up until two in the morning, painting a, a hallway or whatever. So a, a lot goes on behind the scenes. I think what people see is, wow, you know, they own a lot of property, but what they're not seeing are missed dinners out or not going on vacation or, you know, working multiple jobs at the same time to, to have that income coming in. So um, why were you, why were you willing to do that? And are you, would you say that it's been worth it? Oh, it has absolutely been worth it. I think if there's any advice I could give is to just get in, like you said, get into this when you're young, when you have the energy, um, when you can make the sacrifices, because I find that the older I get, the harder it is for me to, <laughs> to justify it. Um, and especially when you have kids, you just, you, you, it's, it's not so easy to, to drag them along and, and put them through renovations and put them through moving. And, um, you know, it's just a lot on a family. So I think if you have the flexibility to do it beforehand, you know, you can just bang it out. Um, so what, what was kind of like when you started to do this, right? Maybe you didn't have a clear vision of like what the end game was, but like you had some idea to say, I am going to sacrifice and this is the end result of what that sacrifice is going to be. So for you, like when you got into investing, like what did you envision that to kind of look like? So I, yeah, I think that's super important to do is to think, okay, here's where I am today. What's my five-year plan? What's my 10-year plan? And why am I doing this? So for me, it was super, super simple. Um, the, the path of least resistance is what I wanted to do. So what's the minimum uh, number of properties I could buy to achieve my financial goals and also to achieve my lifestyle goals? My lifestyle goals was for this to be as easy as possible. Um, and I view that as having uh, not as, you know, some people have hundreds of units and it's yep. a huge business. And that is, I'm just not interested in that. I well, love real estate, but only when it's small. I'm going to stop you there. And I think that's a huge mistake that people make. So like, you know, like I'm kind of the opposite in that way. I'm just like, there's never enough. There's never enough. There's never yes. Enough. Some people are just wired that way. Right. And so I think like, you know, one of the things I always caution people when I talk to them or like someone like me talks to them is like, you don't have to want to do that to get the benefit. And I, I actually think your story is one of the best stories I've heard because of the fact that it's simple and because of the fact that like anybody could do it and yep. you got the result that you wanted and you really looked at like, what do I want to get out of this in the end? And that's what I'm going to do. And I'll be happy with that. And I know I have to take these steps. So for you, like, again, what, like def define like what that actually was like in the end. So trying to think what it was. Okay. So this is going back about 10 years ago. I think the number shook out to be, I know we wanted 21 units yep. and at the time, so we wanted 21 units to be purchased by the time we were 30 and then paid off by the time we were 35 or 37. Yeah. Um, and at that time, I think we were using $1,700 a month for rent. And then we were just calculating, we were just estimating what, what our income would be, what our, our net income would be. And I think we felt that we wanted to make at least $200,000 a year off of our rental income. Yep. Um, you know, take home in our pockets mm -hmm. for this to be something 
worthwhile. And, um, you know, we'll far surpass that by the time all these properties are paid off. So we ended up buying 22 units. I haven't bought anything in a couple, I haven't bought a investment property in a couple of years. Um, cause again, focusing on paying them off now, but, yep. um, so yeah, we uh, kind of went pretty aggressive by 28. We ended up with 22 units, mm-hmm. just how the math shook out with the last one being a four family. And so now it's, it's exercising constraint because I do love real estate. Um, I love real estate investing, but you know, I think you can get a a little bit addicted to it Mm -hmm. and you want to keep, keep going and keep growing. And now I'm at a point where it's like, okay, I I hit that real estate goal. Now I love working with clients to build a similar sort of, you know, platform. And also it's like, well, what else am, am I interested in life? This is what real estate has done. It's given me the freedom to now step back and say, well, what else is there? You know, I could go and pick up some random hobby next week and, and it's okay. Else, Dana. There is nothing else. Don't <laughs> bother, bother looking. This is- <laughs> yeah. um, no, no, I'm deaf. I love, love real estate. And I, I really do find it addicting. Yep. Uh, but now it's, it's, uh, and, and once you're in it, you start noticing, oh, that's such a good deal. And now I have to channel that to, oh, wait, somebody else should buy that because I'm done. Yeah. I love it. No, I think it's great. I think, uh, you know, a few things that you said in there that I think are worth pointing out, it essentially was a 10 year plan. Yeah. And, um, you know, 10 years goes by really, really fast. Um, and 10 years to me is probably about what most people need in terms of like building up passive income in terms of getting wealthy and you can define wealth any way you want. Right. Um, you know, some people would say, Hey, like if I'm, you know, worth seven figures, I'm wealthy. Some people, you know, it's 2 million, 3 million, 4 million, but whatever that, that number is for you, like, it's hard to have it happen in like one or two or three years. And the thing I'm kind of picturing in my head is that image of like the person in a cave, kind of like trying to get to the, with like a pick, trying to get to the, to the end. And they're so close. And then they, they stop. Um, Again, I feel like real estate investing kind of is like that where it doesn't happen overnight. And the thing, you know, without getting into the math of it, and I'm sure you've experienced this now, is like things just start to accelerate as time goes on. And you mentioned something in your comment about like, you know, you wanted X amount, I think it was $200,000 a year of passive income. And you're like, oh, actually, I'm going to exceed that. Because the thing that I didn't think about and a lot of people don't think about when they start buying properties, it's like, oh, wait, like rents are going to keep going up. I'm value of money. <laughs> I mean, did yeah. you think about that? Like, I never thought about that. I was just always like, maybe I, I'm just, you know, not that great at thinking things through. But I always, <laughs> I always looked at it like, hey, like this is my income. I, if I, if I'm cash flowing a thousand a month, I never really thought, oh, that'll be 2000 a month at some point. But. Well, I think there's a few factors at play. One is the market that we're in right now and whether or not it's sustainable, how prices have um, just become so grossly inflated in such a short amount of time Mm -hmm. and, and whether or not that trend's going to continue. Let's take a quick break from the episode to get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors. Join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. I don't think that anybody could have predicted that this 
um, swing that we're in would, would go so high and so fast. Um, with rents, just every time I had a turnover, hiking up the rent a hundred dollars year over year. I don't, I don't think that that's, that's realistic to expect. But the other thing is, is it's in today's dollars, right? So, um, there's, you know, how much more are you actually making when you're looking at the relevance in terms of time? Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, that's something that I didn't think about. Okay. 1700 seemed like a lot, but now none of my units are, are under that threshold. So yeah, I, I think I probably have to go back and look at the math and make some adjustments for time. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, and so, you know, we talked a lot about how you got into investing. And then you said at some point along the way, you're like, your friend said, hey, like, you should get your license. And then you got it. Yep. So tell us about how, you know, what your real estate agent career has looked like, and then how the two kind of work together for you. So the person who told me to get my license was my buyer agent. And I bought probably four properties with him. And he was like, this is, he's like, I can't continue your children. He was like, I can't continue to take money from you. So, um, yeah. So he, he told me just go. And I was like, I don't want to be a real estate agent. I don't want to, I do tech. I don't want to do be a real estate agent, but okay. I did it. And, um, I, I'm so happy that I did. Um, what's funny is I now, I was off on my own for probably four years. And then I moved from Boston, um, up to the North shore and I joined his team. Mm-hmm. So now I actually do most of the, the marketing for the team. Mm-hmm. And again, I, 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 I love working with clients, but I don't love the hours. <laughs> that's the, that's the complaint that everybody has. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I was in the trenches for, yeah, something like three or four years. And now I do a lot of the behind the scenes work we do. Um, our team works with all different price points, all different budgets, but we have a lot of the higher, higher, um, price points and luxury homes on the North shore. So there's a lot of extra marketing that goes into listing those properties Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I do. I work for a luxury brand. I work for Sotheby's international realty. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's an area that I, that I love, you know, how can we showcase these properties? Um, we do a lot of just unique and historic properties. So I, I love that side of things. So I think that's important, you know, as an agent finding what niche you like and for your listeners, that could be distressed sales. That could be, um, on the construction side, that could be first time buyers. It could be luxury. You know, I think, I think going, going small and trying to figure out what aspect of real estate do you really like and honing in on that. Yeah. I feel like it's like everything else. Like, you know, you go through school, you go through high school and college and like, no one says, Hey, like you should try to figure out like what you want to be when you grow up. Uh, I feel like it's the same kind of in real estate sales where there are so many like niches, yes. but people don't consider that and they just kind of try to do everything. And, you know, I think one of the other things that, you know, you, you talked about, is just like being passionate about it. And when you use investing and you get yourself in the right financial position, 
you can use that as leverage to do something that you're more passionate about. Now, I don't know the answer to this question, but my guess is that if you ran around trying to just service a bunch of clients and being an agent and you just went, you know, totally out, my guess is you'd probably make more income. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's such an important thing because you talked about like passions outside of real estate, but now you're talking about a passion within real estate. And that's the type of stuff that happens when you use investing Mm -hmm. because you get to a point where you're like, I mean, it can be as simple as like, Hey, I could be making six figures as an agent or $60,000 or $50,000 doing something I'm passionate about. Now, if you don't get yourself in a great financial position, if you don't use investing, you can't even afford to, to, to br- take that gap. Right. And I think Turn that's the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to do whatever is required. And I think that one of the, the, the premises of this show is just like really to, to get yourself in a position where you've got that financial freedom, whether that means you're going to keep selling a million houses a year or you're going to do something within real estate that's your passion or whether or not you just want to just kind of do whatever you want. And I think that that's one of the things that for people that are like hesitant to kind of get into investing, like one of the things I would think about is just the outcome of what all this kind of means. Um, I mean, how would you kind of compare your lifestyle today to like when you were in, you know, corporate sales? Oh, so much better. Uh, so much better. But the other hard thing was I was, I really had to keep my real estate hidden from work because that's just, that's just how it is. So I was always doing, and, and I was a very good employee. I worked 80 hours a week at my job, but it was nights and weekends. And in my time where I wasn't, um, on the clock in the corporate environment, that's when I was doing real estate. And it was, um, it was just such a grind. It was uh, hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think now you nailed it. It's having that safety net financially to be able to pause and really figure out what it is that you want to do and aggressively going after that. And I say no to opportunities all the time. Yep. Um, just this week, my old tech company reached back out to me and they were like, you know, is there any chance you would come back? And, um, you know, it was a great gig and the money was good, really good. And right now they're, they're, they're doing amazing. And it's like, Oh, it pains me, but I'm going to say no to this opportunity. Not because it's not good, but just, it doesn't align with where I'm at. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, one of the other areas of real estate that uh, I, I love, and I, I feel like people don't, even think of this as an option, but I refer most of my business out, um, almost 90% of my business. Mm -hmm. So I will pick off a few deals a year for myself because I love the clients or what they're looking for is really exciting to me or just makes sense. It's, it's going to be a fun project, right? Working Mm -hmm. with whoever the clients are, but then everybody else, um, you know, I, I have a network of agents and maybe you'll be one of them now where I, I pass off those clients because, and it's not just about me. Sometimes it's about, you know, what, what you're looking for is very specific or it's in a very specific area and yeah. I'm not the person for you, but I know somebody who is. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's, yeah. 
Um, I mean, I can, you know, I had a client buy in Texas last year and all over the world. It's, it's this, um, I think sometimes as a real estate agent, you're, you're running around and you let these people slip through the cracks when really all it takes is an introduction. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody who's scared to start investing or has any sort of like hesitation, like, you know, before getting into it? It's scary. <laughs> um, I think that you, you have to have a long-term mindset about it and be realistic. Um, and you have to do, I think to be successful, you have to actually do what's scary. So right now in our environment with COVID buying in the city is scary. What's happening with Boston, but Boston is where I'd be investing. Mm-hmm. You know, could I, could you figure out a plan to, to ride this out or start, you know, you have to go against the grain. You have to analyze what your environment is with, you know, if people are moving out to the suburbs because of COVID, can you get a deal in the city? Yeah. Um, and I think that you, you just, yeah, it's most of the time it's a mental thing. Uh, none of my clients have ever lost money in real estate. And so like, like you said, fear, like a few times. Mm-hmm. So how do you personally like get over that? So the other tip is to have multiple exit strategies. I think that's where people have been burned so many times and that's wh- where and how they lose money. Like, sure, you can get really unlucky and just some, you know, situa- situation happens in your town, like uh, you're, the main employer moves out and now nobody wants to live there or, or whatever. But I I think that that's a situation that's few and far between. And I think that you can buffer against risk by having multiple options. So if your plan is I'm going to buy this property to flip and your flip goes south. Okay. Does it make sense as a rental? Does it make sense for you to live in it? Is there any other situation that's going to make this work for you? If you need to hang on to it in the long term to ride whatever situation out. Um, but I think what people do sometimes is they look at a a property that they're going to buy and they only have one strategy for it and that strategy doesn't pan out and then they're stuck holding the bag. Yep. Yep. And, and that goes back to like, you know, what you were willing to do before, which is buy a three family and live in it. Right. That's going to work for me no matter what, because I need a roof over my head. (laughs) Exactly. And it's, it's, it's a thousand times less risky than buying a single family because if you get fired from your job, you can't pay your single family mortgage. Like there's nobody else out there to even help you. So I think, I think what you said is important, which is like, you know, for, for, for someone who's scared, like look into all of the different avenues and really like, there's no such thing as no risk in life for anything, but you can get yourself into a position where the risk is a lot lower by utilizing some of those, those various exit strategies. Um, right. So, um, well, I want to thank you for, for coming on today. Uh, it was awesome. I love the story because I, again, you know, I get so many people who are like, yeah, I've got 20 units. I want to get to 2000 in the next. Like why <laughs> you're crazy. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. But actually, I want to hear more about your story. Cause that kind of is your thing, right? I mean, my story is, is, uh, like I, like I just mentioned to you is just that there is no limit for me. So like, you know, I know in reality, there's gotta be some like inner peace 
but that doesn't exist for me. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my, my story is I, I kind of got into real estate the same way that you did, which is that I was an investor first um, and got my real estate license because I saw kind of all the benefits of, of doing so. Um, always wanted to own multifamily. Like that was the first thing in my head. My grandfather kind of, my grandfather came here from Italy with a third grade education, bought a bunch of rental real estate in like Somerville, East Boston, Revere, which is like the area that I grew up. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was born, he was the only one I knew that had a bunch of money, but, but, but wasn't working. Right. So right. he wasn't young. I mean, he was, you know, probably 60, you know, at that time. Mm-hmm. But again, he had money to do whatever he wanted. He didn't have to work. Um, and he never had a great job. I mean, he was literally a butcher. Yeah. So, you know, it, he he invested in real estate. He didn't really know any better. I don't even think he knew what he was doing. <laughs> but it worked out. <laughs> yeah, he, I think, he, I mean, you know, not that he didn't have any idea, but he just said, oh, you know, well, if I buy this six family in Revere, I'll make an extra $200 a month. So that makes sense to me, not knowing like what the long-term ramifications of it were. So I always wanted to, to get into real estate because of him and, you know, to be financially free. And so I I started investing um, in, you know, the bottom of the market, 2009, 2010, which to me is like the best time to get in if you can. Mm -hmm. Um, And just started flipping houses, started to accumulate rentals. um, And then, you know, over the course of time, it built out uh, a 330 person real estate brokerage uh, in Wakefield. And, you know, like I said, for me, like, maybe at some point I'll get that inner peace. But for me, it's just, I I love it. So I really, the thing about me is that I don't have other hobbies and I don't really want other hobbies. (laughs) At least you're honest. You know, maybe that's not healthy. I mean, (laughs) we can get into a therapy session on it, but like, I I just, this is how I feel. When I got out of college, I was a CPA, Mm -hmm. worked for a big accounting firm, hated it. Okay. So I look at, it's awful. (laughs) I can't imagine. (laughs) So like I look at what I do now every day and I'm like, I don't do anything hard. And I also like what I do. So, um, you know, for, for me, it's just like, you know, how do I, how do I continue to build? How do I train other people to, to kind of do some of the stuff? And that's where it goes back to like the podcast and, you know, me just kind of looking, you know, I look around at a lot of agents and I see them, you know, doing well selling houses, but they don't stop for a second and say, Hey, like, what if I just bought one of these a year? And one of the, like your plan, I love another plan that I heard from another guest. Uh, this is going a while back is he had a 15 year plan. His goal was to buy one single family a year. He was in Wyoming, I think somewhere like way far out West and, uh, he, he said, I want to buy one a year, 15 year note. And every year after the 15th year, they'll be paid off. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that. And I was like, I love that plan because like, I love that. Anybody attainable. Can, very attainable. Anybody can do it. He doesn't need to be like getting crazy deals off market. He doesn't need to, to do anything totally off. You know, you, you don't have to like be a master in order to do that. 
And I was like, wow, that's a really interesting plan. Um, so like for me, like what, where I like doing is like helping somebody not necessarily do it, but open their mind to say like, oh, it only takes that to be financially free and just helping people kind of do that. So that's like the, the three minute kind of nutshell of, of my story. But, uh, but yeah, is is Cameron real estate, your brokerage that you started? Yep. It's my brokerage that I started, um, you know, started. So I started Cameron probably officially now, maybe five years ago, something in, in that vicinity. And just started it small and, um, you know, just had, you know, a person here, a person there. I never really thought I would grow out a brokerage. That was definitely not the plan. Um, but I kept kind of making improvements. Like, you know, I just, again, getting back into the, uh, the nature of like how I work, like, you know, I like this stuff. So I spend time on it. So I'm like, Oh, this isn't that good. So let me make that better. And right. just like, I, I kind of look at, you know, the brokerage almost like, like a product, like, you know, we came out with the iPod or you know, the iPhone one, you know, whatever, four or five years ago. And it was good. It was fine. It worked, you know, decently well. And, but, but something wasn't good. You know, the user or the agent said, Oh, this, it'd be better if you had this or that. And just like trying to make continuous improvement on it, you know, nothing like, you know, revolutionary, but just trying to fix every problem and just make it better for people that are here. Um, so, you know, when you do that, and I think that, you know, I work pretty hard and, and fairly innovative when it comes to that stuff, um, people notice and they get better value out of, out of kind of being here. So, um, it's, it, uh, for me is the smaller part of my income. It's probably equivalent to like the marketing stuff that you're doing, Mm -hmm. but I enjoy doing it. Like I just enjoy building a business. So it's been kind of more a passion, but the investing stuff has really, you know, allowed me to, to really be financially free, do what I want. And, um, and really that's, that's what I would tell anybody, like, it's going to end up, if you, if you start going with it, it's going to exceed, you know, whatever you make, um, like on a, a yearly basis, because it compounds, like right. you had mentioned in the beginning, like ranks are going to go up, your appreciation is going to go up, your house is going to get, your mortgage is going to get paid down. And like, you can run as fast as you can as a salesperson, as an employee, but at the end of the day, like you can only run so fast. And like you talked about, like, I've been doing this now for 15 years. You start to get tired yeah. and, and like, you can't, I'm 38. Like, I'll still be doing this in 15 more years, but I won't be able to go at the same speed. Right. With that, like you've got the assets that just keep going up and getting paid down and ranks go up. And it's just like, at some point, even if you're just like this machine, even if you take yourself out of the equation, it still goes. It's yeah. So it's just like, you can't, you can't compete with, you know, all the rules that were set up between the tax benefits and the appreciation and the rent increase. And so yeah. Yeah. I think that's the the toughest thing about being a real estate agent is you are the business. Yep. As soon as you stop working, there is no business. And that's the problem. And it's like, like you mentioned, like taking on clients that you might not want to work with or go into locations or just the fact that, 
you know, nights and weekends always forever for the rest of your life. And, um, yeah. So I think that that's something that like when you're in year one of, of your real estate career, you're like, I don't mind. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. And then as time goes on, it's like, Oh, like I don't want to miss out on that wedding. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, it's tough. So, yeah. So, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I want to thank you for, for coming on and, and sharing your story. And, um, you know, it's a great one and I I appreciate you taking the time and it's definitely nice to have somebody local on. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Agent Investor and especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And stay tuned for the next episode of Agent Investor.